Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This episode of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast is brought to you by Bet Online and Play Action Pools. It's that time of year again, and all eyes are now turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron and start of the new football season. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all pro and college football action this season. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including online's biggest half-million-dollar NFL Mega Contest, the world's largest 200,000 NFL Survivor Contest, open now at BetOnline. And make sure you head over to the website or use the mobile device and sign up today for 100% welcome bonus. Take advantage of their opening day super promo. Make a bet on the Thursday, September 9th season opener between the Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. And if you lose, your wager is refunded up to $25, 100%. For new customers only, by signing up using the promo code NFL100. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all favorite sports. Bet online, your online sports book experts. And exciting news our podcast is partnering with playactionpools.com this season to bring some interactive fun to the sports we love most. You'll be able to get in on the action with our playactionpools.com football pick'em challenge, which is open to everyone. Here's how it works. Sign up on our contest, Believe Football Pick'em, at playactionpools.com, and then get your picks in each week. We're going to select 10 highest-profile games of the week between NFL and college football, and whoever gets the most picks correct each week will win a pair of electric sunglasses and a pair of DC shoes. Again, go to playactionpools.com and sign up for the contest Believe, B-L-E-A-V, Believe Football Pick'em. And if you plan on hosting your own football contest, go to playactionpools.com today. They've got Survivor, Pick'em, as well as cool sportsbook-style concept called Build Your Bankroll. Playactionpools.com, your new home for all your office sports pools. What up, TCK Potters? Welcome back to the program. Another episode of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. We are the Candlestick Kids, aka TCK Pod, on the Fantasy Focus Network. I am your host, Chad Guasco, and my man, Bobby Lamarco, in here as well. Baba, how you feeling, man? How was week one? Uh, mixed results from the fantasy leagues, but it is what it is. Um, but I, you know what I just realized? We just launched our TCK schedule for the upcoming season, and me and you are only on together twice a week. I think it's going to be an interesting season um, with us this year, man. But uh, overall, dude, really exciting week one. But I think I wanted to get us started with our Sunday morning live show was absolutely awesome. If you are not able to join us, we always recommend 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. every Sunday. Sky, me, the Fantasy Focus team are going to be on all the time answering all your Star Sick questions. But one of the hot questions that I have for Sky right now, because it's very topical, is who is your ideal trade target after week one? And give us a realistic trade offer that you think can get it done in one of your leagues. Man, this is this is going to sound insane, but I am trying to obviously get a, a, a premier player who underperformed. That's how trades go, right? Sell high, buy low. Devonte Adams, Zeke Elliott, somebody like that up at the top that I'm trying to trying to go for. Aaron Rodgers, even right. So somebody, honestly, like I'm looking to potentially go after Devonte Adams. And honestly, I know you're an Amari Cooper guy. Super respect that Amari Cooper's a beast. 
But the way that he went about it, the number one fantasy player outside of quarterbacks this week, Amari Cooper goes off this week. If I could go this week, Amari Cooper for Devontae Adams straight up in a full PPR, I'm willing to do that. I know you're an Amari Cooper guy, so I want to hear your reply on that. I think Aaron Rodgers and the Packers get right on Monday Night Football in primetime against the Lions. This is the perfect get-right game for the Packers. I think Devontae Adams has 15 targets in this game, couple of scores. Everything's just fine next week at this time with the Packers. If you could flip a guy like Amari Cooper for Devontae Adams straight up right now, I think it's possible, and I would per- personally do that. Uh, yeah, I guess I have to side with you on that, man. I mean, of course, but it, it pains my heart because <laughs> I was so big on Amari. I'm, of course, I'm not tra- actively trading Amari, but do you, if you're the Devontae Adams owner right now and I offer you Amari Cooper, you, would you take that offer? I mean, honestly, would you, I don't know if I would well, here, take it. Here, here's, here's what's troubling. Me personally, no, because I'm like Devontae Adams fanboy number one. If I take that hat off, though, for a second, Packers – looked horrendous like really bad it wasn't like it wasn't like Devonte adams had a bad game by himself and the run game was great and rogers just didn't find him they looked pitiful rogers looked pitiful the saints beat him up and down the field so i'm that's my number one pick that's a top six pick and i'm definitely nervous zeke elliott i'm definitely nervous um there's other guys saquon we kind of saw coming aaron jones even i'm nervous right so i'm trying to make a move amari cooper on primetime, again, Thursday Night Football, Sunday Night Football, Monday Night Football, it matters. Everybody sees those games, not just highlights. Amari Cooper dominated the Buccaneers, who have a great defense there. So it could be done. I really believe so. And if somebody is frustrated with the Packers overall, I could absolutely sell Amari Cooper to that person for Devontae. If the Packers don't get right, I think you might actually lose that trade long term if Dak and Amari stay healthy. But I'm still willing to go for Rodgers and Devontae Adams full season. All right, fair enough, man. Okay, here we go. So we did have an excellent weekend with the Sunday live stream. Bob brought it up. So make sure this Sunday also you tune in three hours prior to kickoff on the East Coast, 10 to 1 on the West Coast, 7 to 10. Bob and I up nice and early. I tuned in from the road, made it happen, got it in. So I was pretty excited about that. So we're going to dive right into this here. This is the first episode, really week one. First of all, Bobo wasn't here. We gave him some time off. He got his he got his PTO in preseason. We like that, right? Yeah. Back now, though, for week two, coming out of week one. All right. So, Bob, how about a, a 30-second, one-minute kind of general umbrella feeling? One thing that stood out, one thing that you were like, okay, great. I'm, I'm glad that that's how it worked out. And one thing you're like, uh-oh, <laughs> I was way off. You personally. One of your takes this summer, whatever it was, and you were like, look, I nailed that one, saw it coming, boom. Another one was like, uh-oh, I, that one's super left field. I'm going to have to renegotiate my thoughts on that. Uh, I think that answer, that question I think is loaded. It's week one, guys. Do not panic. If your takes are your takes, if you've done your research, just stay with the, stay the course. Don't panic over week one. Um, but when we talk about today, we're going to talk about player trends, which is a key one here. Things that we saw, whether it's usage, production might not be the biggest factor. You want to see how guys are being used. That might be a bigger factor long term. So don't panic over week one. Listen, Tyler Boyd obviously didn't perform. Amari Cooper and the Cooper Cup, my two other sweet angels, blew up. So I think two-thirds is not too bad. But I, I'm, I'm not going to panic over any of my guys just yet. But that's kind of what my takeaways for week one. I can't believe you didn't even bring up your other great oh, take. Oh, James O'Shaughnessy. 
Dude, listen, James O'Shaughnessy, O'Shaughnessy heading into Monday night was the tight end 10 in PPR. Dude, like, I mean, listen, I, I put, I put, listen to this guy, I put 200 bucks down on a James O'Shaughnessy reception prop, one and a half. We, we smoked that prop, dude. Six receptions for 40 plus yards. This guy had double digit fantasy points week one, eight targets. That's what I'm talking about, folks. James O'Shaughnessy is on the streamer radar. Everybody knows the late QB strategy. Bobby is the poster boy for late tight end. My man, getting it done every single year. Last year, called Logan Thomas. James O'Shaughnessy, if you haven't traded you know, and, and got him as your, as your number six tight end, uh, you're blowing it. JK, we'll see what happens moving forward, but uh, great move there. Okay, we got a question right off the bat, Bob, and then we're going to get into it here. This is coming from Nor6 off of Twitch. Would you trade DeAndre Swift and... T. Higgy for Najee Harris right now. No, Listen, I'm the wrong guy to ask about this, guys. Listen, I am not a Najee Harris guy. I have zero shares of Najee Harris. I made my thoughts uh, the reason why. This offensive line, it was just proof. He literally had like one yards per carry at one point in the game. It did not look good. And the problem is Big Ben. He ran – I have it in my player trends notes. He ran a route – he ran lots of routes. He ran over 30 routes in this game, but he only saw a target on 10% of his routes. That is not good. His target percentage, Big Ben does not target the running backs that much because he has Firemuth, Ebron, Deontay Johnson, Juju, all short area target guys. And I am not in on Najee Harris at all this year. And plus, T. Higgins just showed you that even on a game where he didn't go off, he still found the end zone, which is great. And DeAndre Swift, I mean, come on, man. This guy, listen, this offense is going to use their running backs. They used him so much. Jared, that defense is so bad. What do you think is going to happen this week when they play the Packers? They're going to do the same exact thing all over again. Those running backs are going to get a bunch of targets. I'm out on Najee Harris. I'm not buying him at all, but I never really was. I totally agree with you. I'll make it quick. I am a Najee Harris guy. I have been all summer long. I still would hold put. I'm not a DeAndre Swift guy either. Great performance, obviously. My boy Jamal Williams also performed. This game was an outlier for sure. The Niners were devastated once again, losing Verrett with an ACL in the back end. Horrible for the 49ers. Lose Mostert, of course, as well. But I would not do this trade. I would keep Higgins and DeAndre Swift. All right, for anybody else looking to comment here on Facebook, Twitch, Periscope, or YouTube, feel free to jump in and we'll get to as many as we possibly can. But let's get into it here, man. We got the meat and potatoes this week. We got week two waiver wire pickups, right? Last week, we didn't have waivers. You just kind of roll with your draft, guys. Now we have a sample size of at least one week. And I'm with Bob. Don't overreact. Looking at week two waivers here. And then we'll have week two player trends in the back half of this episode here. This is episode 449. Looks like we have one more thing here. Yeah. Shouts out, Nor. Thank you very much for tuning in, man. Appreciate you. Love you, brother. Okay. Here we go. So let's let's jump into this here. I've got a list of a ton of names. Now, It. I want to get your thoughts on waivers too, real quick, Bob. So for me, waiver wires obviously are like to patch holes, right? But we're not in bye weeks yet, okay? So for me personally, it's not as dire. Now, if you had Raheem Mostert, you have Jerry Judy, you, Ryan Fitzpatrick in a super flex league, you had a major injury. Unfortunately, yes, you need to immediately go out and find a patch unless your benches are still quality players. So I guess what I would say quickly, especially if you're in a fab league, don't go overboard here spending too much money too early if you don't need it. If you have an RB3 or a 4, which you should. If you have a wide receiver 4 or 5 to fill in for Judy, which you should. If you have a third quarterback to stream, like Terod Taylor, for example, you picked up on accident, which you should. 
Don't go too early and, and spend in it. But if you're low in depth, then yes, you should go pick up an Elijah Mitchell or somebody else we're going to mention here. So, Bob, real quick, how do you kind of read pre-bye week waiver pickups? Because I just see too many people too often, you know, go out and blow blow the cash quick, and then you're kind of sitting there with your hands tied come week 10. How do you feel about that? You know, if you're going to spend up, I always spend up on a guy, number one, likely a running back. And also, number two, it's because of an injury. Like, I don't like to chase after a guy after a big week one just because. Because week one, we've seen time and time again, guys like Sammy Watkins and Deshaun Jackson, these monster week ones, and they don't do nothing the rest of the year. So, you know, I don't really chase after too much production per se. What I do like to see, though, is a prime example. Raheem Moser goes down, and the, the Trey Sermon news was absolutely huge. Elijah Mitchell becomes extremely interesting. I know – a lot of people are pumping the brakes on this situation, but what's honestly going to change? I mean, literally, Elijah Mitchell earned that spot over Trey Sermon. It wasn't because a special teams thing. It was flat out, that's Kyle Shanahan said, this guy outperformed him. And it's just, it's a little concerning in my opinion. I have a lot of Trey Sermon. Um, I'm not, I wasn't starting him anywhere, but at the same time, I think Elijah Mitchell, the question comes, are you going to drop 50% fab on this guy? Minimum. Um, that's tough because listen, we know they rotate. We have hasty, you know, sermon's going to be active probably next week. They could easily have him in there as well. So the 19 carries, remember this game was a blowout. So this wasn't like the lions and the 49ers were going back and forth early on. They probably just ran Mitchell out there. Hey, he's our young guy. Let's just get him all these touches and see how he does. So this wasn't like a close football game and they were just bringing their a game this whole time. So that's another thing to keep in mind with the situation. Sermon could easily be in a 50, 50 timeshare. So I'm not going to go all in on Mitchell, but he's probably the one guy I would consider putting the most fab in after week one. Yeah, I I absolutely agree there. So let's get into let's get into our list of waiver wire targets for this week. Now, of course, this this seems to go without saying, but people are new to fantasy football or you're new to the way that Bobby and I do it. So I want to go through all the motions here. If you are looking to patch a hole with a particular position then you're doing that specifically. If you're just looking at like, look, I could use some depth or this guy went off and I can drop this guy who didn't do anything, then I would let your waivers clear. Let guys do that so you don't blow it earlier if you don't need to. Because again, this will happen every week and you want to hold tight as long as you possibly can. Okay, let's go from the top here. I'm reading from the Fantasy Pros. So this is the entire you know expert industry here with their cumulative waiver pickups for week two. So I'm going to give you their list and then Bobby and I are going to go through this and kind of cherry pick the guys that we personally like to have the most. Okay. So number one for them is Tim Patrick. All right. Wide receiver for Denver Broncos. He's 1% managed. Okay. He's totally free on all of your waivers. Jerry Judy goes down, unfortunately, six targets, six catches, was dominating as we all thought he would. He got hurt, high ankle sprain, out for at least a month and a half. Tim Patrick's number one. Bob, I'm going to read out about five or 10 names here, and then we'll cherry pick a little bit. Number two, but about that number one, one B, Elijah Mitchell, as you mentioned, 49ers running back, only 4% managed, available in 96% of leagues. Go out and get him, of course. Then you have Jameis Winston. Now, he's only available in 65% of leagues, but still only 35% managed here. So go look at Jameis Winston. Had a great game, five touchdowns. My man, Kenny Gainwell, came through here. was not Boston Scott. Then you have Tony Jones. Junior for the Saints, Christian Kirk with two touchdowns. Rondale Moore had a good target share with his debut. Your boy Sterling Shepard on your Giants. And then the Saints DST going up against the Panthers next week as the number one defense there, 29% managed. So one more time, Patrick Mitchell, Winston Gainwell, Jones Kirk, Moore Shepard, 
Saints DST, and I'm going to throw Nelson Aguilar in there from the Patriots as well. Bob, who's maybe one or two of the guys on that particular list that stand out right away for you to pick up? One guy that's – first of all, who, which more? Sorry if I missed. DJ. Okay. Rondale, more. Rondale Moore. Okay. Rondale Moore, gotcha. yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so this is, this is a couple things. Number one, K.J. Hamler needs to be on that list. Now, this is something I thought was extremely notable. In the, in the game last week, Jerry Judy was the slot receiver for the Broncos. 80% of his routes came from the inside. Teddy Bridgewater, one of the things I talked about early on in the offseason, I talked about how Teddy Bridgewater likes to throw to the middle of the field. He actually leans slot heavy, and that's where I liked K.J. Hamler as a sleeper. But it was Jerry Judy, 80% of his snaps, he started dominating in the middle of the field. Guess who's going to be sliding into the slot now? Because Tim Patrick, Cortland Sutton are primary outside receivers. I'm actually going to bypass Tim Patrick. I'm going to go right to K.J. Hamler. If he catches that 50-yard touchdown, we're having a totally different yep. conversation this week about K.J. Hamlin. He dropped a bad one. It was a tough pat over the shoulder. I totally get it. But if he catches that football, he walks right to the top of this list because of that injury. He's actually my number one pickup this week. I believe in the talent. And if he catches that ball, 100% in. I think Elijah Mitchell, we kind of already broke down. If you have a, a top waiver priority, you're spending it on Elijah Mitchell. It becomes a fab question. How much fab would you spend? That'd probably be in that 30, 40% range. It's still a lot. Yeah. Might not even get it done, but I'm not willing to blow over 50% of that wad on Eliza Mitchell. The other guy is Christian Kirk. We're going to go over player trends later, but one of the things I loved about Christian Kirk, his usage, he moved back to the slot. That's where Larry Fitzgerald was last year. This year, it's now Christian Kirk. He's the primary slot. Five receptions, 70 yards, two touchdowns out of the slot. He's in a much better situation now playing on the inside. He was overmatched on the outside. A.J. Green, DeAndre Hopkins out wide. So I think Mitchell's, of course, my number one. Hamler and then I would say Christian Kirk. Shepard shouldn't even be a free agent. I said earlier, one of my bold takes were, uh, not from this podcast, but in my article for Razzball, was that Sterling Shepard's the number one. He proved it, and he plays in the slot now. Last year, only one-third of his snaps I'm taking all my player trends away, but whatever. <laughs> We're skipping the line. Sterling Shepard last year, only one, less than one-third of his snaps were in the slot because of Golden Tate. Now he's the primary slot guy, another player who's better suited for the slot. I love Sterling Shepard as well, so I'm all over those guys. Probably those guys are all going to be my starts, but I, even Tony Jones. He actually was um, got a decent amount of snaps, uh, carries in the first half of the game. Another player trend thing I have here, too, is Tony Jones was involved early. It just wasn't a blowout thing, so that's something right. notable later on. But I'm going to prioritize those receivers and Mitchell at number one. Yeah, I had texted you guys right away after, what, middle, second quarter. I'm like, am I reading this right, that Tony Jones Jr. has nine opportunities in the first half? Like, yeah. what's going on? Then I realized, oh, they're blowing out the Packers, which was just yeah. unbelievable. Quick note on K.J. Hamler. Uh, the, the experts here, they have him ranked as the 32nd player in all positions to pick up here. They're wide receiver 12. He's only 2% managed instead of Tim Patrick. So Bobby's got KJ Hamler. And I would actually agree. I agree with Bobby here as the, as the number one, because we did see it too in the preseason. Teddy's not known for the deep bomb, but we did see one of his long touchdowns in the preseason was to KJ Hamler. We know he's a burner out of Penn state. Great player there. Keep an eye on that. Tim Patrick did show up last year down the stretch though. Uh, when Judy got beat up a little bit as a rookie and was having trouble uh, troubles. Noah Fant went down, and, of course, Cortland Sutton was out. So either way, 
somebody's going to have to take that work. Noah Fant, though, got the eight targets. Elijah Mitchell, we mentioned there, if you do need a quarterback and he's somehow available, Jameis Winston needs to be rostered. Don't expect five touchdowns, but I said this preseason, did I not, Bob? This is a new Jameis Winston. I did not expect five touchdowns. I never expect five touchdowns. But what we didn't see was interceptions. We didn't see careless passing. We didn't see him taking a bunch of sacks. We didn't see knee-jerk reactions. We saw a composed quarterback making good plays because that's what Sean Payton is going to tolerate. If we get this style of Jameis Winston this year, he might be a top-10 quarterback, maybe top-5. He just doesn't have that rushing upside. So get him on your bench and stash my boy Kenny Gainwell just because. Okay, let's go to the next group here. I'm going to go with Big Ben Roethlisberger. Looked horrible for the entire game, but moved in uh, later on. Yes. Uh, we got a question. Tune in. Let's pop it up. Let's pop it in. Uh, so let's talk about this real quick. So this is a week two start sick question for the wide receiver three. Hollywood Brown's playing right now. Sterling Shepard, Tyler Boyd. We got a good listener here. He's got some good key names here. Also Kareem Hunt and Devin Singletary at the RB2-3. Number one, I'm going to say this. Every Sunday, guys, we do our start shit show, start sit show, and we actually break down all your start sit questions. But we're going to get you on this one right now. Listen, we got to talk through Sky. I'm going to help. I'm going to help out a little bit here because we need to know who they're playing. Right, week two. It's still early. We're just reviewing game one. People, come yeah. on, give us yeah, a yeah. break. Uh, but let's see. First off, the Giants are playing against uh, the Washington Football Team on Thursday night, so it needs that quick turnaround there. Um, Washington football team did allow some production to Keenan Allen in the slot this week. Um, They actually were exposed. It's interesting. Washington football team was actually one of the teams that tried to fade, but Mike Williams and uh, both Keenan Allen had some production there. So that's a good matchup there. Tyler Boyd, bounce back game against the Bears. The Bears, like I touched on earlier, Cooper Cup. Listen, he had a monster game out of the slot last night. Uh, The Bears are missing two. They have two very young corners that they've taken over. Some weakness up the middle, so I do like Tyler Boyd to bounce back this week. Hollywood Bound, the Ravens, they have, let's see, uh, the Chiefs. Um, Kansas City, I mean, listen, Jarvis Landry played about half his snaps inside out. Landry got it done, but I think that one probably be third, even because right now I'm not going to follow the game. Yeah. Raiders are Raiders. But that's kind of, I think, I think based on what I'm feeling, I think I'm going to lean Tyler Boyd here um, over Sterling Shepard slightly. Uh, and then for the running back position, uh, never a cream hunk up. But they're playing the Texans. I know the Jaguars beat up, uh, um, got beat up by them recently, but I'm not scared off. But then the Bills are playing. Sorry, we're doing this all live on air. Bills got the Dolphins. Uh, we just saw Damian Harris go for a buck against them. Um, yeah. So I think I think I'm going to go Singletary and Boyd here. What about you, Scott? I'm going to go Boyd and Hunt. Uh, Hunt still had red zone tar- uh, touches. He still had goal line work. He's obviously going to get the pass catching work from the Browns. I think that uh, you know the Jags are a horrible team, and they got run by the Houston Texans, who are not as horrible as we all expected. The Browns are not. The Browns are a very good team that once again had the Chiefs, who are arguably the best team in the NFL, on the ropes all the way to the end. Should have beat them. I think Kareem Hunt eats, even if it's on limited work this week. I'll go Hunt, and then I'm going to stick with your boy Tyler Boyd. Uh, I know we saw a big play from Jamar Chase, but I think Tyler Boyd still eats there. You got any thoughts on this trade? He traded Javante, uh, Jamal Williams for Javante Williams to get that upside. So, Sky, I know you're a big Javante guy. Would you have pulled the trigger? I know you're both on Jamal Williams yeah. and Javante. What have you pulled the trigger? Would you have traded Jamal Williams for Javante? Uh, yeah, I would. And I am a Jamal Williams guy because I was confident that he was able to step up the way that he did if Swift wasn't around. What is insane about the Lions here against the 49ers, which are a solid defense, both guys ate this week, which is crazy. But Jamal Williams did do what I thought he was capable of doing. But 
I am not I'm not blind to think that Jamal Williams is somebody to sell high on because he is uh, a lower opportunity guy. So, yes, I would capitalize on this. Melvin Gordon accidentally had a 70-yard touchdown, but I think I would capitalize yeah. on this long term. Javante Williams, if you have the depth already, yes, I think that's a great move. That's my fault. It's Jamar Chase. So, Jamar Chase, not Jamal Williams. That's my fault. Um, he traded Jamar Chase for oh. Javante Williams. Uh, well, then that just depends on who your other your other guys are. Let's see. He's got DK, Allen Robinson, and Deontay Johnson. So he doesn't need that wide receiver four. Gets a solid RB2 with upside long-term. I still do like it. Uh, just depends on format, of course. But, yes, I like it as of right now. All right, let's move on. Okay, here we go. Let's jump into another uh, stack here. I'll give you another 10 names. We'll do this maybe two or three more times for waivers here. Give me a cherry pick a couple of these guys. Big Ben, 37% manage. Mark Ingram. 26 carries. Are you kidding me? Tua Tungavaloa, great game there, but the uh, Patriots fall short. Tua gets a W there. Gerald Everett, my man, getting work in, 38% managed. He's the top tight end, according to Fantasy Pros. Number two, your boy Cole Komet had a nice game as well. Devontae Parker, Jalen Rager caught all six of his targets. Terrace Marshall looked excellent, actually outpaced Robbie Anderson, who is supposedly the number one. Teddy Bridgewater, who had a great game. And then we have the Green Bay defense who got slaughtered by the Saints, but they go up against the Lions who put up a bunch of fantasy points, but the Niners got beat up deep late. They lost uh, Jason Verrett, unfortunately, to an ACL. He's out for the season. So hopefully the Packers can uh, rebound on Monday Night Football there. So once again, Big Ben, Ingram, Tua, Everett, uh, Komet, Devontae Parker, Rager, Terrace Marshall, Teddy B, and Packers defense, who are maybe two or three you're targeting on that list. I mean, Mark Ingram, that that is just crazy. I mean, listen, there's a couple things I'm going to say. I thought he was getting cut. I said he was going to get cut the last few months. I mean, listen, dude, David Culley's boy, David Culley, the passing game corner from the Ravens. It's all about who you know. Brings up Mark, Mark Ingram. And listen, he did his job against the Jaguars this week. They actually do have the Denver Broncos. And the Broncos looked real good stopping Saquon this week. I don't know if I'm running out to go crazy. He might be someone that I'd let waivers pass through. And if he's still available, I'm not going to burn a top priority on a Mark Ingram. And I don't think I'm going to spend much fab on him. But it's clear that he's the number one. Um, but this week's matchup's really going to – oh, I'm sorry. Week two, the Bron- – oh, I'm sorry. They have the Browns. So they're playing the Browns in week two. And that's going to be interesting. The Browns – Clyde was, didn't do much on the ground, but I think that's still a pretty decent matchup. Tim Kelly is a legit coordinator. I know that the Sean Watson thing has made this team look like, uh, you know, it's going to be 2-14. and 14, But listen, they just beat up on the Jags. Tim Kelly is a real deal as an OC. And he's got, he got 1,000 yards out of Carlos Hyde. And David Johnson had his best rushing season last year. So, I mean, listen, it's not too far-fetched that Mark Ingram's going to be all right. Um, from the Cole Komet, I mean, listen, Gerald Everett actually ran less routes than – Will Disley, he caught two passes for 20 yards, but he found the end zone. I know that's all great, but two for 20 is not something you can bank on. If he doesn't score, he's going to kill you. I'd rather have a guy like Cole Komet. Um, honestly, he had, a, he had he ran a lot of routes last week. He was right behind. He was third on the team behind guys like Mooney and uh, Allen Robinson. Um, and this week, the Bears are going to face off against. Let's see. Uh, oh, the Bengals. So that's an interesting matchup. I know. Cincinnati kind of held down Tyler Conklin four for 40, but I think Cole Komet, listen, I think he could be all right. So I would take Komet in that scenario. 
The receivers, Parker, Rager, Marshall. Remember, Will, uh, Will Fuller comes back this week. That could yep. put a wrench in the whole thing for Parker and Waddle because he's going to demand more targets. The Philadelphia, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles passing attack did anything they want against Phil, uh, the Falcons. I don't even know if like I don't. It's week one stuff, right? And this week they get the 49ers. I mean, the 49ers defense let up a lot of points late, but early on they were doing fine. They are banged up at corner, so we'll see if that makes sense to go after Rager, but I'm not really targeting him. And Marshall, I don't even think should be on this list. I have him in a lot of leagues myself. Listen, Robbie Anderson caught the long touchdown. Marshall didn't do much of production, but he did see more targets. He did see more receptions, and we do like to follow that stuff more. He's going to get better, and he was the primary slot receiver, and I like the fact he's going to avoid top corners. And what's crazy about that, again, Robbie Anderson coming in as the number one, has the previous rapport with Donald, whatever. Christian McCaffrey, no surprise, you know, nine targets his way, but Robbie only had one. Now it was a deep 50-yard touchdown, so it worked out for fantasy. But that's what we saw with the Jets, right? We don't want that uh, inconsistency. Marshall didn't terribly outproduce him, but he did a little bit, available in 79% leagues. These are just the type of guys to stash on a bench. I'll go through it one time real quick here. I am not. I know Mark Ingram. I'm not interested unless you maybe had Raheem Mostert and you don't get you know Mitchell or something. Mark Ingram goes through waivers. I wouldn't spend a bunch of fab on him because I don't think it's going to last, but he's a guy I would pick up if he falls to you for free. Gerald Everett, just because the Seahawks tight end usually does have work. Cole Komet is definitely worth the stash. Jalen Rager, look, last year he was beat up. He had some family stuff. He had COVID. He had some injuries. All six of his targets this week. I like that a lot. And then <laughs> super flex leagues, man. <laughs> you can't knock Teddy Bridgewater. Heck of a game. I know he doesn't have Judy anymore, uh, at least for the next month and a half. But they played very well, and you know he's a game manager, doesn't make a lot of mistakes. Great second quarterback in a super flex or two QB league. Don't forget about Teddy B. Okay, Bob, let's go through the next half here, and then we'll just shut it down on waivers. Gabriel Davis, 90% available. Mac Jones, nice debut. Zach Paschal caught a touchdown, only, uh, only rostered in 2% of leagues. Jawan Johnson, your man, he was your deep sleeper there in the uh, NFC South when we did that just a couple of weeks ago. Sure enough, comes up, catches two scores, very athletic. Tevin Coleman somehow still in the NFL. Carlos Hyde also still in the NFL. Sammy D, K.J. Osborne. Then you have David Njoku and Dalton Schultz. I'll cut it off there with the rest of our guys coming up in just a little bit. One more time, Gabe, Gabe Davis, Mac Jones, Pascal, Juwan Johnson, Coleman, Hyde, Darnold, K.J. Osborne who's filling in, of course, for Irv Smith, not Conklin. And then you have Njoku, Schultz, and I'll throw the Bears defense in there against Burrow and the uh, Bengals next week. Yeah, uh, this is you're starting to get some We're deeper deep diving. names. We're deep diving. Yeah, but deep diving a little bit. Um, I Maybe do have just one or two. Yeah, so I, I, I know, listen, Gabriel Davis did catch the touchdown, but he's clearly running behind Emmanuel Sanders. Um, and he actually ran, ran less routes than Devin Singletary, which I thought was interesting. So that is something notable, not something you could bank on if the playing time isn't all there. Uh, Zach Pascal led, was the number one, and he was the guy on the field getting the routes. He ran ahead of Paris Campbell. Uh, he was the primary slot receiver as well. So it sounds like pa uh, I like that Pascal playing in the middle of the field. You hear that a lot too. Juwan Johnson caught two touchdowns on like nine routes. Uh, that's fluky. You're not going to get that every week. Don't chase – those touchdowns. He only had two catches and nine routes. It wasn't even a lot. So I'm not there. Kevin Coleman led the team in carries, but he just offered nothing on the ground. Three-way time committee. I'm not dealing with that. 
Carlos Side actually led the team in carries versus James Robinson. I think that's somewhat notable. The game got out of hand, so they had to throw a lot. But what's going to happen when they're in a more competitive football game? Is he going to flirt with 15 carries? You know, listen, that could be something that worth noting, especially if Trevor Lawrence takes the next step. K.J. Osborne is more notable. Uh, he actually is the wide receiver three. Um, he ran the third most routes on the team for the Vikings. I thought that was very notable for him. Clearly the number three on the team. Uh, and he was the slot receiver. I keep bringing this up, but he was the inside guy on that team while Jefferson and Adam Thielen played primarily uh, wide. Um, Darnold, um, I've been on. I've been interested in Darnold for a while. I think he's got all the weapons you could possibly want with CMC and company. Um, they do get the Saints uh, this week, so I'm not really 100% sure if I'm going to buy into him just yet. Um, and I think that really runs through it all. Um, back to you, Sky. All right, let me dive into the second, uh, or really just this last. Again, we're really scraping here, but it depends on how you feel about these particular guys. Some interesting names. Now, these are, again, this is in relation to Fantasy Pros rankings, so I'm reading them off as they have them, but then Bob and I are giving you our thoughts as well. So we had Chicago defense against the Bengals. You mentioned that. Now, again, they have K.J. Hamler at 32 out of all players. Bobby has him as his number one priority outside of Elijah Mitchell. Of course, that's position specific. If you lost Mostert, you go with Mitchell. If you lost Judy, maybe you go with Hamler instead of Tim Patrick. That's what Bob's got for you. Now, another interesting one. Unfortunately, we also lost this weekend. We lost uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick out to a hip contusion. He's going to be out at least a month and a half as well. Maybe season ending. I don't want to be put the cart before the horse, but, you know, in his age and the recovery, they're they're equating it to somewhat close to what Tua had at Alabama that they were worried about in the draft. It's not as severe, but not a good injury. Taylor Heineke, who came in last year, should have beat the Buccaneers in the playoffs. They fell short. The rest is history. Brady gets the ring. But the Washington football team with Heineke had him on the ropes. Terod Taylor had a phenomenal weekend out of nowhere this weekend. Keep an eye on him. Cedric Wilson filling in for my boy Michael Gallup, also placed on IR, unfortunately, but was getting targeted on Thursday night. Cordero Patterson, hybrid running back there for the Falcons, who looked horrendous. Van Jefferson, deep touchdown. And then Amon Ross St. Brown, rookie for the Lions. So once again, Bob, we talked about Hamler. We'll skip him. Heineke filling in for Fitzpatrick. Terod Taylor, Cedric Wilson, who will be a distant third, fourth, fifth, sixth option maybe for the Cowboys. Cordero Patterson, who's more of a wide receiver than a running back. Van Jefferson, and then Amon Ross St. Brown for the Lions. Listen, uh, I know this is crazy, but Cordero Patterson caught my eye. He had all seven of his carries in the first half of that game before it got out of hand. You would think Cordero Patterson came in late. It actually wasn't. He actually was right next 10 carries to seven in the first half between him and Mike Davis, and he had the juice. He had four carries of over 10 yards, which is very interesting for him. Plus, he's a converted receiver, so he's definitely got the pass-catchy chops. Something to monitor. I'm not going to spend any white wire on him at all. But I think a lot of these guys, like Tyrod Taylor, for example, I think it's more of a reflection on targeting the Jaguars' defense. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to go all in and try try to go get Tyrod Taylor, but I think I'm going to go target the guys that are playing against that Jags D who just made Tyrod Taylor look like the 2015 version of himself. So I think that's more <laughs> of a takeaway for me. All right, fantastic. Okay, so those are our waiver scoops. So again, uh, Bobby, give me your top three waiver pickups, regardless of position. You're on the clock. You've got Fab to spend. Give me your top three overall. Who you're feeling right now? Yeah, that's tough because you got you gave me Kirk and Shepard, which I really like. Um, but I, I think I'm still going to go Ham. I'm going to go Elijah Mitchell one, KJ Hamler two, and I think, man, I, you know, I'm going to go who are the Cardinals playing. 
Uh, Vikings. I, yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Sterling Shepard then three. Okay, I'm gonna go with uh, Elijah Mitchell. If I need a quarterback, I'm looking to get Jameis Winston. He's already rostered in my leagues, but I'm gonna go out and get him. And then I think you could also get a lot of work moving forward from Cole Komet if you need a tight end as well. So I'll go a little bit further down the line there. Okay, Bob, we're going to do a surprise segment here. We're going to do this one weekly. I'm excited about this. We did not prep for this, so I'm going to put you on the spot, but I think it'll be a little bit fun. Just a sentence or two. I want to gauge the thermometer, the the Bobometer, all right, on how you feel about these guys here. We're going to do week two, panic or patience. I'm going to read you off a player. You tell me if you're panicking or you're willing to be patient with this particular player. Just a couple lines. Here we go. Michael Pittman. Uh, patience. No Robbie reason why. He, he led the team in routes. I think he's going to be fine. Robbie Anderson, just one target. Deep touchdown, but just one target. Hey, he went for a touchdown, man. I'm not panicking over – when a guy scores a touchdown on a 57-yard bomb, I'm good with him for week one. Patience. Zeke Elliott, only 33 yards. Patience. Move on. Okay. It's the Bucks D. Trade for Zeke Elliott right now? Yes, 100%. Okay. Packers overall. I'm talking big Packers. Rodgers, Adams, Jones. They have Detroit this week. Patience. Monday Night Football primetime. Rodgers is going to get a haircut and be just fine. This one hurts my soul. Brandon Ayuk. Healthy game time bench scratch discipline something something bad is happening with Brandon Ayuk I don't know what it is yet but he was not involved at all not injured disciplinary reasons whatever it was patience or panic I'm worried about it I'm just gonna say I say patience to everything on this because I'm not freaking out over week one I know listen you stash Brandon Ayuk we saw him as a rookie last year put up some elite numbers so I think he just needs to, I think this was like a wake-up call for him from Shanahan by week four we're not even going to be talking about it, guaranteed Julio Jones Patience. Got it. All right, a couple more here. James Robinson outshadowed tremendously by Carlos Hyde. Yeah, I'm I'm going to panic a little bit. The Houston Texans, you're not supposed to look okay against the Texans. So I'm going to say a little bit of panic here. Now, this is a serious Carlos Hyde is Urban Meyer's guy, right? This is just like Carlos Hyde has no business playing over James Robinson other than he's Urban Meyer's guy from 10 years ago. It's insane. Cortland Sutton. Uh, Panic. Yikes. You think he is going to be the automatic number two with Judy out, or do you like Patrick or even KJ Hamler? Fant had eight targets. Yeah, I'm not I'm not into the – I like Teddy B for, for the middle of the field guys. I like KJ Hamler kicking inside. I think Noah Fant and him get the biggest bump from Judy. Two more. Yeah. Two more. Marquez Calloway. That game was weird. I, I just, I'm not going to buy, I'm just going to patience on all that. He did lead the team in routes. Uh, and, you know, they didn't, it was just super weird. James was a two for 150 yards and five touchdowns, people. I don't know what to tell you. It was weird. Just throw that game out. Mike Davis. I think he's going to be fine. I just think that the, it's going to take a little time for them to gel. Uh, so patience on Mike Davis. But the Cordell Patterson thing is interesting. Something worth noting. Fair enough. All right, we're going to merge into our player trends for week two. But before we do that, I want to give a shout out to our friends at the Jersey Jungle. Make sure to DM them on Instagram, the Jersey Jungle. Use the promo code TCK to receive 10% off of one or two jerseys, 15% off of three jerseys. Folks, it is football time. It is officially week two now as this game ends on Monday Night Football here. 
We are getting into week two. We got a sample size behind us. I got Kamara. I got Chubb behind me. Both of them putting in work last week. I expect big things out of both those guys. Some guys disappointed you. Other, other guys saved your roster for this week. So make sure you go to the Jersey Jungle, rep your player. They have rookies coming in. They have home and away jerseys. They have all sports as well. If you're looking at like the baseball postseason coming up, make sure you claim your players there. Bob, one player you haven't thought about yet jersey-wise that really impressed you last week, you're looking to grab a jersey from. James O'Shaughnessy. <laughs> First of all, the name would be dope. And the fact that he's a top 10 PPR tight end people, I mean, who doesn't want his jersey? I, I love this. Look, I, I'm going to go baseball reference very quickly, and we're going to move on. Two Dodgers. Now, I know Garcia Parra was a Red Sox primarily, but I'm thinking Dodger uniforms. Mark Grudzelonic and Nomar Garcia Parra back in the day had the nameplate like up and over the shoulder blades like a rainbow on their back because it didn't fit straight across. James O'Shaughnessy, I like that over across the back there. All right, Bob, let's change gears here, man. I'm going to turn over to you. Let's get yeah, into man. our week two player trends. Yeah, so I'm actually going to pivot on you for a second. I want to talk about team trends after week one. And this is important because one of the things I'm going to bring up is dropbacks. And dropbacks are important to evaluate week over week because, number one, there's huge weeks from people. So there's 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 teams that drop back the past 60 times, 55. That's not sustainable. So you have to put everything into context for that production. The same thing goes on the opposite side. Certain teams were like at 25, for example. The New Orleans Saints – Drop back to pass 24 times last week. In my opportunity analysis I do based on historical dropbacks, just to give you perspective, for the Saints with Sean Payton, that's that's 16.7 less than what they should have had. So this is what I want to tell everyone. First off, here's a couple teams that had inflated stats because they threw so much. Number one is Detroit, 63 dropbacks. The projection for their team, 37. That's a variance of 26. That's a lot of extra volume that they had this week. Dallas, 50, 50, 62 dropbacks. Their variance is 20-plus. Buffalo, big time, 56 dropbacks. Minnesota, 53. That's something that you have to keep in mind for guys like K.J. Osborne, if you're going to pick him up. They did throw a lot last week. It might not be a thing you can bank on. Jacksonville, same thing, 52 dropbacks. D.J. Chark had 12 targets last week, but he only caught three of them. You know, We usually say chase those targets, but maybe because of that volume, you fade that. Tampa Bay, listen, they only about 23% higher than what we normally see, but just notable that they did throw a lot in that game. But I think it's going to be an ongoing trend personally. Same thing goes for the Chargers. They were a little bit higher, about eight and a half more dropbacks. On the inverse side, I want to talk about this. New Orleans, only 24 dropbacks last week. That is insanely low. There's going to be more volume, but he did throw five touchdowns on those 24 dropbacks. Makes you scratch your head about those Packers. Maybe Jared Goff is a streaming quarterback this week. Washington football team, only 26 dropbacks. That led to only 21 pass plays with the Fitzpatrick injury. Logan Thomas only had three targets, but there's going to be more volume there in the future. So I do still like Logan Thomas, even with the low dropbacks. The, the, the Rams looked great, but only 27 dropbacks last week. That's way below their projection. Teams like the Dolphins, the Seattle Seahawks, the San Francisco 49ers, and the Cincinnati Bengals were all well below. So like guys like Tyler Boyd, for example, George Kittle, you know, I would say, listen, maybe even Gerald Everett, you're right. Maybe he does get a little more volume once that volume goes up. So that could be something you look out for. Miami Dolphins, listen, don't forget that Will Fuller hasn't played yet, so maybe it doesn't change much. So that's a, a trend that I want my people to understand what teams threw a lot less than they normally will and what teams are completely inflated. So you watch those 
attempts, and that's why target share is really important. Um, but from that block, does anything stand out to you, Scott? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great that's a great uh, nugget there, and I think that it is important to go behind the stats. You know, you and I kind of try to present this stuff as digestible as we can to our listeners who don't get after it the way that we do, because we understand that a lot of this number talk can be a little bit intense and go over your head a little bit if you don't understand it. So, Bobby, I think that a more digestible thing to look at is snap share and target percentage, route runs, you know, carry percentage. So look, take away like the production, like the yardage and the touchdowns and the catches. That's all frosting, but the opportunity a lot of times tells a better story. Like DJ Chark didn't have much to show for it in the stat line, but leading the team in targets, coming in as the number three and nobody really talking to him, including us this summer, is all of Isca Chenault and Marvin Jones. Well, DJ Shark is the deep target there for the Jags. They just didn't connect with Trevor Lawrence because they're still new to this. Week three, week four, week five, once they start connecting, that could end up being some huge opportunity and a buy low opportunity potentially there. So that's when you look behind those numbers. I think that's a great nugget. So we're going to dive into the player trends. I'm just going to go quickly run through what I found in my research. And, Sky, you kind of just give me your two cents. A.J. Green was actually second on the team in routes just behind DeAndre Hopkins. Chase Edmonds ran the third most routes on the team, ironically enough. But in the first half, he only outcarried James Conner 5-4. to four. Christian Kirk kicked inside. 95.7% of his snaps were in the slots. He went 5 for 70 and 2. What's your thoughts? Uh, man, AJ Green getting work. I really think that that's going to pay off eventually. And as long as he's healthy, I'm willing to start him as like a second flex or at least put him out, you know, uh, keep him on your bench, if you will. Uh, really, something you didn't even read off, but just what I want to uh, mention here is Kyler Murray is, is literally un, untouchable. This guy is absolutely phenomenal. The, the, the offense was hit or miss, put up a lot of points, but hit or miss. That defense, that defense for the Cardinals is nasty. The NFC West, every single team won their game. The NFC North, every single team lost their game. It's going to be interesting in the NFC this year. That's great, man. So the Falcons ran very two heavy tight end personnel. The number three receiver was not even relevant. Neither was Russell Gage. Kyle Pitts, 51% of his routes were in the slots, which is great. That means they're not asking him to block. Go out there and run some routes. So I think better production is on the way, especially the latter half of the year. Mike Davis tied for second on the team in routes. So he was out there. They were behind big. It seems like he's the preferred passing down back. Um, he did have 31 routes, so only eight for Cortland, uh, Cordell Patterson. 15 carries to seven in the game versus Patterson. But remember, I told you this in the first half, 11 to seven. So it was a lot closer in carries between those two when the game is close. But it looks like Mike Davis is the preferred passing down back. What's your thoughts? Yeah, he is, but this offense looked really, really poor, and I don't know if it was just game one under Arthur Smith or what, not knowing how to use Kyle Pitts, whatever, but Calvin Ridley and, and Matt Ryan weren't even in sync there, so I'm, I'm worried about this offense overall, to be honest with you. Yeah, I agree, I agree. So let's jump down to Buffalo. So listen, Sanders was the clear number three in routes. Gabriel Davis did run more routes than Knox, so the good news is they're using four wide receivers a lot, and they're actually running. So Gabriel's out there more than Knox. That's good news for his fantasy value. But it looks like Sanders is cemented as a 3-4 now. Devin Singletary did have 14 touches in this game, completely outworked Matt Breida uh, and the other running backs on this roster. He did run more routes than Knox and Gabriel Davis. So he actually ran the fourth most routes on the team. So what are your thoughts about Devin Singletary? Any thoughts about Emmanuel Sanders as well? Yeah, yeah. I mean, with Moss being out, Singletary got an opportunity – 
Um, if the Bills are actually going to use a running back, I think it's great. I this is a you can't throw games out. They all matter, obviously, and they they the numbers reflect that. But this is going up against the Steelers. This game was sloppy. It was old school kind of punch you in the mouth, snot knocker, as we used to call it, football here with the Bills and the the Steelers, who are both potentially playoff teams. They were feeling each other out here. Josh Allen was not who he was last year uh, to start the game, and the Steelers still have a great pass rush and secondary. So I kind of throw it out for the Bills, but you know, it, it just it's not as deep as I thought. And I had mentioned when I went over all my players that I most manage, I didn't have any Bills because I didn't go after Allen or Diggs. And I don't really regret going after any of these deeper guys, even with Singletary getting the opportunity. So uh, I, I'm going to wait and see with the Bills. I think they're going to be just fine, but this was a tough game overall. Yeah, now we're going to jump down to Carolina. Listen, DJ Moore was the clear number one. He ran the most routes, and he ran the mo- got the most targets. So it's good to see DJ Moore. He slipped in a lot of drafts to the sixth round. I think he'll be confident as a flex moving forward. Um, then you also have Terrence Marshall. Listen, Terrence Marshall, it's going to take time for him to get acclimated, but 80% of his routes were from the inside. Listen, CMC actually didn't run that many routes, but he dominated. He had nine targets on like 23 routes. Insane. When he's out there running routes, they're throwing the ball to him. So – it's going to take a lot more away from those receivers overall, but I thought it was notable. Terrence Marshall, the big slot role is a thing. Remember, Joe Brady coached with the Saints, with Michael Thomas. They're used to that big slot. He also had big seasons with Justin Jefferson at LSU. What are your takeaways from the Panthers? Yeah, again, this is a – Christian McCaffrey was the number one running back on the week and didn't score a touchdown, dude. I mean, the whole offense runs through him. Yeah. Robbie Anderson only having that one target is big. I expect, obviously, for him to have more than that, but – DJ Moore continues to just kind of, you know, gobble up usage, but struggle scoring. I think it's going to be volume for DJ Moore, big plays coming from Robbie Anderson and Terrace Marshall somewhere in the middle. But as long as CMC is healthy, the ball runs through him. Yep. Now jumping down to the Bears, Cole Komet was the clear number three. He ran the third most routes behind Mooney and Allen Robinson. He out ran more routes, 32 to nine to Jimmy Graham. So it's good to see he's the clear tight end on this offense. Listen, the, uh, Devon, uh, David Montgomery and Damian Williams split routes 20 to 20. I thought that was extremely notable. It looks like Damian Williams has a, a solid pass game role, but Demont is still getting out there, but he's not monopolizing all those routes. And Allen Robinson, 40% of his snaps were in the slot last night. That is good news for him moving forward. He was closer down to the 25% range last year. So if he sees that bump inside, it's going to get him away from top corners. I know he struggled last night. His route tree was ugly. But, hey, whatever. Hopefully they get it all together. But I like that, his usage in the slot. What are your thoughts about the Bears? Uh, It was against the Rams. Great defense. Ramsey was all over the field. Donald was all over the middle. Didn't have a lot of sacks, but he was creating pressure. Robinson's going to be just fine. David Montgomery looked phenomenal, to be honest with you. And you and I are both kind of like, uh-oh, we don't have many shares of him. That's not good because he looked fantastic. He gets a great defense. The Bears are going to be fine. Yep. Now, Cincinnati, I didn't write much. Listen, Joe Mixon, absolute workhorse. It looks like things are finally coming together. For them, the Minnesota Vikings defense did not come to play like I thought they would. One of my bad calls. I apologize to the community. But anyway, Jamar Chase led the team in routes and targets. It's notable. This guy had a lot of offseason. He was being faded. I only I don't have much shares of him. I actually have all Tyler Boyd. But it's notable that he took over and he was the number one in routes and targets. So that's good to see him progressing through that. And, of course, listen, Joe Mixon was a complete workhorse last night. Samaje P. Ryan did see work, but it was not even close overall. So what, my biggest takeaway was Jamar Chase of this, this group uh, getting dominating routes, dominating targets. What's your thoughts, your takeaways from the Bengals? 
Yeah, Mixon dominated through the first five games last week or last year too, and then got injured. So we just need to hope it keeps up and he stays healthy. Yep. Yep. All right. So listen, Browns, I know uh, we had some Anthony Schwartz sightings and Donathan Peoples Jones, but something I thought was really worth noting is the Browns wide receiver three last night, only uh, yesterday, only ran 54, uh, ran around on 54% of the dropbacks. It's extremely low. They don't use a lot of three receiver sets. David Njoku, Harrison Bryant, Austin Hooper, uh, Kareem Hunt all got more uh, routes than a lot of these guys. So just keep that in mind. When Odell comes back, don't be chasing any extra Browns wide receivers. It's Landry and it's Odell. David Njoku, ironically, ran more routes than Austin Hooper. He had a very productive game. But just keep this in mind. These guys are going to monopolize each other. They're splitting work. It's Austin Hooper and David Njoku getting right around the same amount of targets. They're not even close to Landry. But that's what I've noticed from this group. But what are your thoughts on the Browns? Anything else catch your eye? Uh, the Browns were trying to run the clock out the whole game once they built a lead. I think when they're playing a more evenly contested game script, there's going to be more passing. In the red zone, Baker Mayfield wants a tight end if it's not Nick Chubb. Hooper's going to be just fine. David Njoku is a nice dynasty stash, though, once again. Yeah, absolutely. I actually, he's actually a free agent next year, too. That's extremely notable. He might be a uh, nice buy low in dynasty and see where he goes next year. All right, so Cowboys, Zeke. He ran the third most routes on the team after the Gallup injury. So that's extremely notable. He's out there running a ton of routes. They also talked about how Kellen Moore called like 28 run plays and, and Dak checked out of like half of them. So that's just good that Zeke's out there running routes. Notable. Jar- Jarwin and Dalton Schultz. I know people want to talk about Dalton Schultz. They split routes 39 to 35. There were 62 dropbacks in this game. Remember that. 62 dropbacks. And Schultz saw six targets. It's still a 10% target rate if they get closer to 40 where they should be that's only four targets for schultz just keep that in mind when they're on the waiver wires cedric wilson took over as the slot receiver typically it's cd lamb but cd lamb kicked out wide it was wilson that was manning the slot that could be something notable since he's playing in the middle but that's also notable for cd lamb as he plays more outside because of the gallup injury but what are your thoughts about the cowboys Amari Cooper dominated he was the number one non-quarterback in ppr on in fantasy football this week 16 targets but C.D. Lamb had 15 targets, dropped two of them, had two of them overthrown, didn't get that extra score. Amari Cooper made more usage of that work, but they both had a similar workload. Dak Prescott was on pace for 45 passes last year per game. He had 58 on Thursday night. There's no reason this offense can't be what it was last year. I mean, listen, we talked about this in the offseason with Dak not th- throwing 6,000 yards, right? If they keep throwing like this, forget Why about not? it. But but game flow is key. It's just another thing to keep in mind, but it could happen. But anyway, jumping down to the Denver Broncos. Listen, Jerry Judy, as I brought this up earlier, 90, 79% of his routes were in the slot. He was relentlessly targeted by Teddy B in the slot. That Teddy B is in my slot versus wide quarterback analysis. He targets the middle of the field. KJ Hamler took over in the slot after that. If you remember, we just brought this up. If he doesn't drop that touchdown late, this could be an absolute huge day. Another key factor in all this, though, is keep an eye out on Albert O and also Noah Fant that could run two more tight end sets, rotating with the three receivers with Tim Patrick. So that's something notable for, 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 uh, for fantasy. But also uh, for Tim Patrick, waiver wire ads. Just keep that in the back of your minds. Albert O was used a lot last night. So what are your thoughts about the Denver Broncos and any thoughts about KJ Hamler and the Judy injury? We talked a lot about the wide receiver, so I'm going to skip on that for sake of time. For running backs, Gordon had the 70-yard ripoff at the end for the touchdown. Javante Williams, though, and Gordon split 50-50 work directly, and Javante Williams actually had more carries. So 
Uh, it's 50-50 for now, and I do think eventually Javante Williams takes over, even with Melvin Gordon healthy. But I will say, to your credit, you're the Melvin Gordon guy. He still had that burst. He broke a tackle late, got down the sideline, so he still got it. But it's going to be 50-50 at least right now. I love that with Javante Williams. Yeah. All right. Jumping down to Detroit, TJ Hawkinson, of course, no surprise here, led the team in routes. Other thing that's notable, 64% of his routes were from the slot. That means they're asking him to block a lot. He's going to be used a lot this year. I love it. Running backs, 20 targets on 57 attempts from Jared Goff. Listen, carries were split down the middle, 11 to 9, favoring Swift slightly. But what are your thoughts and takeaways from the Detroit Lions this week? I mean, Hawk is as advertised, right? We were thinking, like, who else is going to catch passes there? Nobody <laughs> other than DeAndre Swift. Yeah. So Hawkinson's the man. And then look, Jamal Williams, I know it's been kind of tongue in cheek with me all summer long, but this is what I thought he could do. He stepped up and did it. What's insane is that him and Swift were able to do it. So we'll see what that trend is moving forward with both of them. But Swift is an automatic start when he's healthy. Hawkinson, obviously. Williams, I think, is a solid flex if you need somebody. Yeah, Khalif Raymond led the wide receivers in routes yesterday. Tyra Williams got a little banged up. What else is new? All right, Packers. I don't. I think we can kind of throw this all out. One thing that is notable: MBS and Lazard ran ahead of Randall Cobb. A lot of people had Cobb. We talked a little bit about him being the primary slot, but unfortunately, it was not. He ran well behind Lazard and MBS. But I think we could throw out the Packers game. But any quick thoughts about Cobb not being a starter? No. All right, throw, throw it out. All right, Texans. Nico Collins ran the second most routes. This guy's a physical freak. He's on the field a lot. Sounds great. Four running backs ran a route. David Johnson might be one of my biggest sells. He only ran 13 routes on 33 dropbacks. Aikens and Brown. Farrell Brown signing. Brought him up too. <laughs> split work at tight end. They split the routes down the middle. But Farrell Brown had a very nice game. But just keep in mind, don't fall into the traps of these tight ends splitting work. Mark Ingram, 26 carries, 11 for David Johnson and Phil Lindsay. What are your thoughts about the Texans? I still think the Texans are terrible. I don't believe in Terod Taylor. I don't believe in Mark Ingram. I like Nico Collins. I don't think Brandon Cooks has a chance to be what we wanted him to be, and they don't play the Jags every week. I'm selling all the Texans on maybe their only possible selling opportunity this year. Yeah, absolutely. Colts, Michael Pittman led the team in routes. That's still notable. I'm not selling him at all. Zach, uh, Zach Pascal ran ahead of Paris Campbell, caught those two touchdowns, was the primary slot receiver. The running backs with Carson Wentz saw 13 targets. Um, they did trail early, but still notable. Naheem Hines had 15 touches in this game, nine carries as well. So what are your thoughts about the Colts? Any feedback there? Naheem Hines is the truth in PPR. I think they're going to be fine. Carson Wentz getting his feet underneath them. The Colts are going to be just fine. Uh, with T.Y. Hilton out, though, it's supposed to be Michael Pittman, and it just frankly isn't. He's the only one I'm nervous about. Everybody else will be fine. All right, Jacksonville Jaguars. We talked a little bit about D.J. Chark. He did was second on the team in routes, so he is out there. They are trusting. He ran more routes than LaVishka Chenault. Worth notable, 12 targets. It could start happening for him later in the season. Shout out to James O'Shaughnessy, the <laughs> tight end 10. He'll finish as a tight end one this week, tight end 12 probably after this game. 40 routes on four, versus 49 for the leader, Marvin Jones. So he's out there at 57% of his routes were in the slot. They're not asking him to block. Carlos side, nine carries to five for James Robinson. Thought that was notable. Any other thoughts about the Jaguars? Uh, the, I mean, James Robinson's the big one. But again, targets, 12 for DJ Chark. Third in air yards in the NFL this year. This, or this week, Visca and Marvin Jones both had nine targets. Everybody's going to eat when they start clicking here, but it might take a while. And again, they don't play Houston every week either could be uphill climbing here for the Jags for a while. 
Kansas City Chiefs, listen, it's a Kelsey and uh, and and uh, Hill show. It's, listen, when yeah. Watkins was out last year and previous years, it was just them two dominating. Nicole Harmon ran the second most routes, but only saw those three targets. 55% of his slot, uh, routes were in the slot, though. That could be helping for him for the forward, but I think it's just Hill and Kelsey. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire ran 26 routes on 41 dropbacks. He saw 14 of 15 carries. Any thoughts on the Chiefs? No, I mean, business as usual, they're down 20, doesn't matter. They come by, Mahomes accidentally flicks at 70 yards to Tyree Kill, totally different game. Chiefs get the dub, same old, same old. All right, Rams, listen, Gerald Everett's gone. We talked a lot about this. Cooper Cup is back in the slot. 62% of his routes last year were in the slot, 71 this week. That bump's going to help Cooper Cup. Tyler Higby, and the second most routes on the team, more than Robert Woods, more than Van Jefferson, Tyler Higby, people. Only tight end to see a target on the game. So all day, Javan Jefferson was the clear number three ahead of Deshaun Jackson. Ran 23 routes to just 10 for D-Jax. Dow Henderson got 16 of 17 carries last night. Thoughts on the Rams? Matthew Stafford. Woo! Get, the, get this man on a real team. He has one of the best defenses in the league. Elite weapons all around him. Two passes, over 50-yard touchdowns. I can't root for the Rams because I'm a Niner guy, but if I weren't, they would be a fun team to watch. Yeah, absolutely. Chargers, Mike Williams led the team in routes ahead of Keenan Allen. Ironically enough, tied Keenan Allen in 12 targets. Could be something big moving forward. Jalen Guyton ran ahead of Josh Palmer. Outran 35 routes to only eight for Palmer. Guyton is someone to be on the radar. Cook ran 31 routes versus only 12 for Donald Parham. He looks to be the clear leader at tight end. Austin Eckler did not receive a target. Don't know what happened, but it's a fluke. I guarantee it's a vital window right now for Eckler. Larry Roundtree was the number two, eight carries to 15 for Eckler. Thoughts on the Chargers? Would you rather have Austin Eckler or DeAndre Swift from right now moving forward? Austin Eckler. Okay. No red zone target, or he didn't have a target, which obviously changed. Seven red zone carries, though, which we didn't Mm -hmm. think was going to happen. One goal line carry. It was a touchdown. He'll be just fine. And look, my boy Mike Williams, man, I'm telling you, when this guy is healthy, he was my breakout candidate for the AFC West, when we did our breakdowns, when he's healthy, fire him up. He was healthy, two touchdowns, dude's a beast. Yep, Vikings. Uh, sorry, we're going to go to the Dolphins first. My apologies. Jalen Waller was the slot receiver, saw four targets in the slot. That's good for him. Last year, Mike Jazicki led the team in slot routes. That's not going to be the case this year. Waddle will be the primary guy. That's a big down arrow for Mike Jazicki. Just something to modern now. They have a primary three receivers with Will Fuller coming back. Miles, uh, Miles Gaskin only had nine of the 17 carries. Last year, he was a workhorse. This year, he looks about getting 50%. What are your thoughts on the Dolphins? Jalen Waddle, one of three rookie-wide receivers this year to uh, scoop a touchdown in their first game. Very impressive there. Mike Kosicki throws a zero-burger at us opening day without Will Fuller in the lineup. I don't like that at all. We've been fading Mike Kosicki on this podcast, but a lot of people drafted him as their middle-round guy, passed on guys like Tyler Higby and Gronk potentially. Not looking good for Kosicki right now. Yeah, Vikings, listen, it wasn't Tyler Conklin. It was K.J. Osborne. The Vikings moved to three wide receiver sets. Surprisingly, K.J. Osborne ran uh, 47 routes versus 50 for the two big guys. Primary slot receiver dominated the middle field, saw seven targets. So it was interesting that they went to three receiver sets, but Conklin was the clear tight end guy, but only saw four targets. So what are your thoughts between Conklin and K.J. Osborne? Who are you looking at moving forward? To be honest with you, if you're super deep diving on on tight ends, then I guess it's – I guess it's Osborne just because he has the hot hand, quote unquote. But like, if you're scooping like this for a tight end, then your shots in the dark. You might as well go with O'Shaughnessy because you know you're getting the looks. Go with O'Shaughnessy. Look, we got to bring up old man Thielen. 
Okay, business as usual. Oh. Two tutties. Everyone's like, oh, 14 touchdowns. There's no way. Well, he's on pace for, you know, 38 this year. So let's give the man his credit here. Uh, Thielen's just fine if he's healthy. Jamar Jefferson didn't have as big of a game as he should have. He also had a touchdown called back. He'll be just fine. Dalvin Cook's Dalvin Cook. This offense is going to be cooking, but they lost a tough one to the Bungles in overtime. I think they get it right here pretty soon. Let's hope so. Patriots, Jacoby Myers led the team in targets and routes. 80% of his tar uh, routes were in the slot, so he's the primary slot receiver. I like that for him. Aguilar was most productive and tied for the lead, uh, was tied for the lead in routes run with Jacoby Myers, so that's notable. Both tight ends ran less routes than Kendrick Bourne. That's crazy to think. Kendrick Bourne was out there more. I thought this was going to be a problem for Johnny. is that these guys are going to split a lot more. There's not going to be as much. Not a lot of teams do 12 personnel heavy. James White, seven targets on 16 routes. It looks like he's got some juice back in PPR. Damian Harris, 23 attempts, one for Stevenson. So I think Damian Harris is the guy. What are your thoughts on the Patriots? 90-plus yards for Stevenson, but he did what is the worst possible thing you can do as an NFL running back. And what's even worse, if you play for Bill Belichick, fumble the football. Harris fumbled. Stevenson fumbled. This could be James White with 60 targets next <laughs> game. I, I'm Harris is going to be the guy, but I am nervous about it because Bill doesn't play around with that. Look, I, I mentioned Kendrick Bourne, man. He was with me and my Niners for a couple years. This kid's legit, and he's kind of buried with a lot of new names on that team. A lot of talent, though, so don't be surprised if he's a name we look at on waivers in the next couple weeks. All right, Saints, Marcus Callaway led the team in routes. He still looks like the primary guy. They did not throw a lot in this game. Juwan Johnson, two touchdowns on just nine routes. I don't think that's going to happen again. Tony Jones, we brought this up earlier, 13 carries, uh, seven carries to 13 for Kamara in the first half. So when the game was close, he still was getting a decent amount of work. He could flirt with double-digit touches every week. What are your thoughts on the Saints for week one? Uh, well, again, just like the Packers, man, we should probably throw this game out too for the Saints. They did look yeah. very good. Jameis did look very good, but under 150 yards, five touchdowns. Alva Kamara is going to get more work moving forward. Tony Jones was fine. Adam Troutman was out there, which is good to see. Jawan Johnson, though, the much more athletic and large uh, red zone opportunity there. So he got the work there. Um, the Saints are going to be just fine moving forward, but again, this game was crazy, man. I think if if you know these two teams play each other ten times, I think it's five and five, maybe six four Packers. So I think the Saints came out, played really well. This was in a neutral area in Jacksonville because of the flooding in New Orleans. So this was not a home game officially for the Saints. So both teams were outside there, but um, the Saints are going to be just fine, man. And again, I've been trying to talk up Winston for a while since he got the starting position. Looked great opening day, obviously. All right, jumping down to the Giants, Barkley only ran a route 16 on 43 dropbacks. That's 42%. That is not ideal. Uh, it looks like he's being eased in, like you called it. Great call by you. Um, Sterling Shepard led the team in routes and targets. I knew this was going to kind of happen. 65% uh, of his routes were in the slot versus 32% in 2020. That's big news for Shepard. He's a great slot receiver. Any thought? other thoughts about the Giants, Kenny Galladay? Any thoughts there? I – I just can't get excited about the Giants, man. I'm sorry. I mean, the Giants are your team. I'm trying to root for them as like just a buddy move, but nothing about them makes me excited for fantasy football. Sterling Shepard's a wide receiver three with little upside. Kenny Galladay could have upside eventually, but not quite there. Daniel Jones, I don't trust at all. Saquon, I can't trust yet, and I haven't all summer long. I, I just um, I have no interest in the Giants as of right now, unfortunately. That's all right, man. I forgive you. Anyway, jumping out to the, the team, the Jets. Corey Davis led the team in routes and targets. We all knew that was going to happen. Big game. 
Braxton Berrios, believe it or not, was second on the team in targets last week. I think that's good news for Jameson Crowder as Braxton Berrios was the slot receiver. So maybe when Crowder comes back, he has help, uh, shot at five to six targets a game. Tevin Coleman led the team in carries. Nine, four for uh, Michael Carter and Ty Johnson. What are your thoughts about the Jets? Man, your boy, five catches, 97 yards, two touchdowns. Corey Davis came in, looked very, very good. I think he's going to be a great, you know, middle round wide receiver this year with tremendous upside as they get going. Jamison Crowder out with COVID that gave him more opportunity. Something underlying here that we're not going to talk about much in fantasy is offensive line, but Makai Becton, giant offensive lineman to tackle for the Jets, yeah. hurt in this game. Uh, th I think that's going to affect not only the run game, but the pass protection for Zach Wilson. Keep an eye on that. That matters. Look, yesterday was horrendous for Aaron Rodgers, right? Brand new offensive line. Even Aaron Rodgers was affected tremendously by that. Makai Becton now being out could really affect Zach Wilson moving forward. I got you, man. Eagles, Devonta Smith, man, came out balling 10 more routes than any other receiver on the team. He was yeah. the clear number one. He ran the most routes by a long shot, led the team with seven targets. Big news for Devonta Smith owners. Dallas Goddard was tied for Jalen Rager for second in routes. He was clearly ahead of Zach Ertz, but notable about Zach Ertz, he led the team in slot routes. That's something notable. They went too tight and heavy. Ertz was in the slot with Goddard in line. Miles Sanders led the team in running back routes, which is good to see. Why that I'm bringing that up is Jonathan Taylor was actually behind Naheem Hines. It was Miles Sanders ahead of Kenny Gainwell. So I think it's good to see that Sanders is actually leading the team in routes because Jonathan Taylor did not get that role or doesn't have that role in a similar offense they give it to Hines. So I think that was notable as well. Yeah, man. Again, Jalen Hurts, three touchdowns, came out just firing. I know Jordan's obviously super hyped on him. He looked great. Smith, first NFL reception, was a touchdown. Miles Sanders, who, of course, I haven't been crazy on this summer, but did look okay. I think he could have had a much bigger game. My boy Kenny Gainwell got it done as well. But again, Jalen Rager, six of six. Big rapport there from Jalen Hurts. I think that's going under the radar a little bit. So I know all the hype is with Devontae Smith, and, and rightfully so. Keep an eye on Jalen Rager. And Zach Ertz came up with a hamstring, so it might be Dallas Goddard more often now. Yep, definitely notable there. The Steelers, your boy Najee Harris ran this sec, was tied for second, actually ran the second most routes on the team. Only was targeted 10% on those routes. 30 routes, three targets, still notable. Deontay Johnson is still no joke. The guy got another game of 10 targets. Follow the targets. He is an absolute beast this year. Eric Ebron split work. With Pat Firemute, this is notable, 17 to 12. I don't think Ebron's going to have the impact like he did last year. They're splitting work this year. I don't think either of these guys are going to be really fantasy relevant, but that's my that's the two cents about the Pittsburgh Steelers. Your thoughts? Big Ben, just 188 yards. Najee Harris played every single offensive snap. That's unheard of for anybody not named Christian McCaffrey. This is a rookie coming in, getting the full work share. I know he didn't catch a lot of passes, but he was targeted, and he will get the work. The Bills are a nice, sneaky defense. This game was up in Buffalo. I expect Najee Harris to be just fine moving forward. And again, Deontay Johnson came out of the game with an injury, came back, had a great – if you haven't seen his touchdown, it was excellent. He bobbled it, two-toe touch, fantastic there. And um, Juju also had a lot of work in this one too. So I think the Steelers are going to be just fine, but it did look like the same offense last year. A lot of, a lot of quick hitters and peppering Deontay Johnson, but Najee Harris is going to be fine. Yeah, 49ers. Listen, I got a couple quick tidbits. It's real simple. Debo Samuel dominated routes. 
dominated production. He was an absolute beast. I guess we all didn't know the Brandon Ayuk situation, but Debo, 25 routes. Kittle was second on the team with 16. He was clearly ahead of everybody, which is notable moving forward. Debo could be someone to monitor moving forward. Kittle had 16 routes on the week. Of course, not the production wasn't all there, but remember, I talked about this a little bit earlier. They had uh, roughly uh, they had one of the lowest dropbacks versus expectation this week. I expect them to bounce back. But overall, nothing really to say here. Uh, any other thoughts about the 49ers? I'm, I'm pouring one out here. Pouring one out for my man, Heem. Really sad to see Heem go down early in this game. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, he's out. He's on IR for a month and a half. Elijah Mitchell, first day three running back with 100-plus rushing yards in his debut. Debo Samuel crushed 12 targets and 189 yards. And we talked about Brandon Ayuk. A lot of mystery going on with the 49ers. Jimmy Garoppolo comes in, drives him down the field. It's Trey Lance, though, that throws the touchdown on his first pass. So there's a lot going on here for the 49ers. I think they'll be just fine, but it was a tough one to watch. All right, Seahawks. Listen, I know we brought this up with Gerald Everett earlier. Will Disley, 19 routes to 17 versus Everett, three targets to two, and 37 yards to 20. The only difference is that Everett got the touchdowns. Notable, they're splitting work right down the middle again. We did the same thing to Gerald Everett with Tyler Higbee in L.A. Freddie Swain, ironically enough, was the wide receiver three, but played behind both tight ends. So the wide receiver three, not much of an impact. If you're a Dwayne Eskridge owner, notable for you. Chris Carson, 16 of 19 carries. The Carlos Hyde impact is bigger than we thought. Carlos Hyde consistently got around 10 carries last year per game. No one's even close. Rashad Penny's banged up. Your thoughts about the Seahawks? God, my boy DK finally got a touchdown to save his day, but Tyler Lockett is phenomenal dude this dude is phenomenal him and him and russ wilson are absolutely fantastic so seahawks are going to be just fine chris carson man as long as he's healthy he's going to be a bull for you yeah so when we jumped on the bucks on thursday night one of the biggest takeaways for me is that gronk dominated tight end routes and dying tight end targets is the only tight end to see a registered target this makes me feel like he's a real deal he's not splitting with oj howard he's not splitting with cameron bray he was last year he might have his legs under him this year could be in for a big moment if he's dominating those touches. But O.J. Howard is being eased back from his injury, so just keep that in mind. It might be a sell-high opportunity, but not just yet. Leonard Fournette actually ran 29 routes to only 15 for Geo. People probably thought Geo was going to be the passing down back primarily. It actually Fournette almost doubled his routes last week, so that's good news for Fournette. Thoughts about the Bucks? I don't think that that's going to continue. I really don't. It's the first okay. game with Geo. Came in late. Fournette doesn't have the hands that Geo does. We saw Geo later in that game starting to get more work. I think that changes quickly. Chris Godwin, 14 targets, should have had a bigger game. He had a 50-yard pass that went through his hands. Gronk had eight targets. A.B. and Fournette had seven. Mike Evans, just six targets. We know that there's a big boom bust with Mike Evans. This wasn't the game. Chris Godwin and A.B. were the guys and with Gronk over the middle. So Brady hasn't lost a step, that's for sure. All right, down to the last two guys. Thanks for staying with us. The Titans, I thought this was really notable. Chester Rogers ran the third most routes on the team. He was the clear wide receiver three. He actually only ran one less route than Julio Jones. Why is that important? We saw John o. Smith and Anthony Ferkser run a lot of two tight end sets. Todd Downing doesn't look like he's going to be doing that. That led Ferkser only to getting 27 routes on 44 dropbacks. He was a little bit more behind, but Chester Rogers looks like to be someone in deeper leagues you can monitor, especially if this defense plays like they do moving forward, and there's a lot more shootouts for the Titans. But what are your thoughts about the Titans overall? Derrick Henry, nine yards entering the second half. Am I reading that correctly? Yeah, what I mean, the guy. Yeah, I mean, the guy, they couldn't run the football. I mean, they struggled a lot. I think the other thing, though, that's good for Henry owners is that 
he still finished almost double-digit fantasy points, and that was the worst performance you're ever going to see. So I think if you could go get Derrick Henry, he's another buy low. This offense just looked pitiful. Julio Jones obviously not in the mix yet, so keep an eye on the Titans. Might be able to throw this one out, but keep it in the back of your mind. Yeah, Washington football team, the last but not least, your boy De'Ami Brown ran 24 routes, only 16 for Adam Humphrey. So the good news is he looks to be the guy. It'll be interesting to see what Curtis Samuel makes an impact there. Logan Thomas. Listen, I think we finally came around on Logan Thomas. I, it took me a little bit later than usual. I should have been on him earlier, but the guy ran the second most routes on the team, only two behind Terry McLaurin for 24, and led the team in slot routes. This guy is used as a slot receiver, essentially. He led the team in slot routes. Antonio Gibson, notable numbers. Five targets for him, zero for J.D. McKissick. 20 carries for him, one for J.D. McKissick. This kid looks like he's going to take the next step. Be patient with him. The Taylor Heineken situation is notable, but he looks competent. He looks like he's challenging defense, so I think I'm not too worried there. But what are your thoughts about the Washington football team? The Buccaneers ended up being easily the best defensive unit down the stretch last year. Just embarrassed Mahomes and the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Taylor Heineke had him on the ropes. This team should have beat the Buccaneers last year in the playoffs with Tanner Heineke. They didn't pull it off. Brady does the rest of his history. Fitz being out for two months at least. He's going to get the opportunity here. Terry McLaurin, dude, is such an incredible wide receiver. I really want this guy to get, you know, the Allen Robinson type targets. Uh, you know, Devontae Adams, right? DeAndre Hopkins. If he were to get 10 to 12 a game, he could put up some serious numbers out there. And Antonio Gibson put in the work as well and only had one less target than JD McKissick. I like that a lot. I'm going to tell you something gross to finish off the show from my end. I had to start the Raiders defense tonight and oops. Daniel Carlson. Oh, no, it's not oops. I needed eight points from the two. I got nine right now. So, <laughs> yes. And the best part, too, is they cannot lose any more points because of scoring, and it's great. So I think I might have just won by a point tonight. Thank you, Oakland. All right. And Las Vegas. Sorry. I love it. All right. We have one question here from Clap Nuts. I want to get to him real quick. Uh, or or – <laughs> Or her, I'm not sure. Him or her. I think it's should I, quickly. C lap newts. I think it's C lap newts, buddy. Oh, C lap newts. Excuse me. <laughs> uh, very quickly, should I trade Stafford for Josh Allen? I doubt he's going to look the same in Week One. I doubt either of these quarterbacks are going to look the same as they did in Week One. Bobby, moving forward right now, do you want Stafford or Josh Allen? You're going to take Josh Allen here, of course, but I think you're. I don't think that you're going to get that off. Uh, get that trade. I, if you can, great. Take Josh Allen. But if you have a sweetener you could throw in there, another guy like a wide receiver 3-4, I'm still worth throwing a little extra to push that guy over to get Josh Allen. So if you need to trade like a, a, a RB3 that did well this week or a wide receiver 3 that did well this week to spice it up to get him over the edge, I would still pull the trigger. Fantastic. All right, y'all, we ran a little long tonight, but we had to get it in. That was your week two waiver pickups. We had a quick panic or patience segment. We got 10 players we might be on the fence about. We ran that through as well. And also some week two trends following week one. Bob, any final thoughts on week one now that we're finally into it? You got all my thoughts. I put them all out here for you guys. I really think, appreciate it. And make sure you're joining us Sunday lives, man. Make sure you're staying there for start sits. We're going to be there every Sunday, 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. PST and 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern. Guys, join us. We'll do all our start shits three straight hours. Come check us out. We love you guys for joining us today, um, and we'll have more later in the week. Appreciate you guys hanging out with us. We are the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast on the Fantasy Focused Network. You can find Bobby and I on Twitter at our name, Sky Guasco, and Bobby Lamarco. Find us on Instagram at Fantasy Football underscore TCK Pod and Fantasy Football X Factor. Make sure you go check out the TCK pod after the fact as well. If you don't watch live on YouTube, 
You can find our podcast, the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast, on all podcast streaming networks through the Believe Podcast Network. This episode and all episodes of the TCK Pod are brought to you by Bet Online and Play Action Pools. We appreciate you sticking with us. We have a great week coming up for you. Good luck on your waivers. We'll catch you next time on the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. For my man, Bobby LaMarco, I am your host, Sky Guasco, and we are out of here. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.